Hello and welcome to another lockdown um, in, a, in a, a rainy Scotland. I think this is about the seventh or eighth one we've done. It seems seems to have gone on for a long time. Um, is it that many? I wow. think it is. Anyway, yes. It only seems like 30. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to try and keep a short one because people people said uh, we, we waffle on a bit too long. And I, I can't understand why they'd say that at all. <laughs> I can definitely understand that. <laughs> so what I've done on this uh, is to come up with a, uh, a, a few questions I thought we'd look at. Um, and this is about the... Uh, a friend of mine um, said, Ernst Hask quoted, I photograph what I love. Um, genres don't matter, I think he was getting at. And I always wanted to discuss landscape photography and and whether the definition of landscape photography matters in the first place and whether you photograph other stuff and is it beneficial to photograph outside the genre. The second one was going to be about uh, working in iconic locations. Both David and Joe uh, do so as part of their workshops, I would imagine, quite often. And how do you go about approaching somewhere so well photographed? And as a final geek out... Uh, I thought <laughs> we thought we'd throw in a uh, uh, is the DSLR dead, which has been in the press recently. With I think the 5D has been announced that it will be no more. That is the end of the line. So we'll come back to that one later. So first of all, I want to ask you how you've been, what you've been up to over the last couple of weeks. Joe, have you been out and photographing uh, things? I have. I've, I've actually been on assignment for the last week. Fabulous. Uh, down south. Yeah, well, it was uh, yeah, it was great actually. I, I mean, hard work, but uh, you know, middle of the summer, so very very long days. Uh, four four fifteen alarm and up and up and about and out there with my tripod at, at uh, before five o'clock wow. every morning. So yeah, yeah. So if I fall asleep in the middle of this, then you'll know why. You understand that? <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and I'm talking about four. It'll be nothing to do with what I've said. <laughs> I was going to say on that note, we'll go to David. Uh, what have you been up to, David? <laughs> I've been boat building. Ah, boat building. <laughs> we, we should in, we should include an update project. You have shown me this boat already. I had a bit of Humbrol paint attached to the hull now, I believe. Oh yeah, so it's been it's painted now. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm just doing the decking now. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think a YouTube video uh, time lapse is required, David. Right from the I, start. I, I, well, sure it's a can... little late. I'd have to start again. Oh, well, there you are. Take Perfect it apart. Opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Yeah. So I've seen um, I've seen a couple of photographs go past of yours on the uh, social media occasionally. Yeah, I've been I've been shooting a little bit out on the afternoon walks um, on the phone, uh, uh, and I've done a couple of bits and pieces in the garden, um, sort of uh, abstract things, but um, nothing that I've um, uh, been that enamoured with in the round about the garden. But the uh, a couple of the phone shots, I was quite, I was yeah. quite happy with. Cool. I mean, they're, they're not amazing quality, but they're. Um, it's not. I mean, I always think it's not really about quality, and I know that's the thing that photographers obsess about, mm-hmm. how, how many pixels and all the rest of it. It's. Um, it should be about whether it, it's emotive, whether it, whether it affects you or not, really. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's a world of ideas, be, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, um, not that I'm going to give up, you know, the Sony for the iPhone. No, but no. <laughs> they are nice, though, aren't they? I mean, we've just featured Mark Littlejohn's phone pictures in the previous issue. Um, from oh, he's, a, he's an the, expert with it, isn't he? He does, point really well. he does yeah. pretty well with it, indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've, I haven't taken many photographs. I've been out 
climbing, walking uh, down Glen Nevis. Um, but I have been tidying up my, my shed in preparation for a dark room, so that could be coming later in the year. I'm quite, wow. quite excited about doing some alternative printing and such like. I'm getting the large format camera out again. Ooh. Not yet, though. It's all a bit green up here, green and minty. It is difficult. Difficult time oh, of year. Yeah, that's yeah. it's dreadful mm. that time of year, isn't it? So if you get a nice still day, it's just hell. It, it is. It? Although I, I have built a pair of what's called net specs, which is a, a midge net with some glasses embedded into them. So <laughs> at, at least you can see at the same time as. Uh, I, I, Tim, you've got to put that as your editorial portrait. I think. In I shall do edition. that. I shall Come do on. that. Charlotte's got a good photograph. Charlotte's got a photograph you of me be laying in them. You need to make sure that Netflix haven't already trademarked Netflix. <laughs> That's a bit dangerous, isn't it? There's, yeah. A, yeah, there's a new brand name there. We should crack on to Yes, it. right. The first question, landscape photography as a genre. Now, I've talked about this in a previous article, which I'll probably link to. Um, but it, it's a funny thing on the genres, silos, whatever we'd like to call them. We work within them quite often, and social media tends to amplify that. What's your take on what does landscape photography mean, David? Uh, I'm not... Well, people generally think of me as a landscape photographer, but I'm not actually sure I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what? I mean, what does it mean? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a very broad church, isn't it? Yeah. It, um, I remember when, um, when Charlie started um, Take A View, uh, and the first winner was... Um, oh, that... Uh, Gibb, what's he called? John John Gibb, uh, Adam, the the um, at, no the um, John Gibbs, yeah. Oh, John, yeah, it is John Gibbs, yeah. The um, the windmills off Norfolk. Oh yeah, I think it was. yeah. Indus yeah. Industrial and, landscape. Well, and there was lots of um, lots of kind of chat about. Well, you know, it's it's a seascape. Oh God, yes, it? yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it a seascape or is it a landscape? And uh, and I, I I don't know. It's very elastic. What what's defined by it? But I think. Uh, I would say that I predominantly make photographs in the landscape, but I don't think of the landscape necessarily as my subject. So the objects in the photograph are derived from the landscape, but the subject is not necessarily the landscape. So there's a there's a whole other kind of um, kind of set of uh, philosophical questions to get into. Yes. Um, where do we go with that? Because uh, I think object and subject are more often than not confused by photographers as one and the same thing. Hmm. Uh, whereas I think you'd be very rare to find a painter who considered them to be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, because the the sub you know the, my sister has a picture of a um, a Dutch flower seller calling at somebody's house uh, and. On the on the face of it, it's you know it's just pleasantly pictorial, but I I was quite fascinated, so I went and looked it up, and it's social commentary, you know, it, it seems like something very simple and nice to look at, but that's not the intention of the of the painter. Yeah, and so uh, and that applies to most painting, and I actually think it applies to most photography. So even when people think the landscape is the subject, it's not. Yeah, it's whatever emotion arises from looking at the landscape is is the subject um so uh 
am I a landscape photographer? Yeah, I, I might I grudgingly allow that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I just think of myself as a photographer. I, I think many people do. What do you think, Joe? Well, whole... I think the, 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 your question really is uh, is trying to explore: Is it a good idea to do other other things? things that's, that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I would say uh, definitely yes to that. I, I think it is good. I also think that landscape, you know, like David, it's, it's such a huge subject. And I know that from the series I'm writing at the moment for on landscape on and off for trying to uh, explore different areas of photography. And another anecdote I'll give you is that the Royal Photographic Society never had a landscape genre category up until uh, a few months ago. Uh, and, and that is because they thought landscape could be travel or it could be fine art or it could be professional and applied or it could be documentary or it could be contemporary. So in other words, landscape could be anything you wanted it to be. Um, and, and another thought I have is that if, if you look uh, through the history of photography, there's lots of great photographers who were documentary photographers or, I mean, if you think of Ketesh or Lartigue, for example, or Cartier Bresson, just to take three French examples, they all photographed landscapes. Cartier, I, I have to say, was Hungarian, but oh well, I beg your pardon. But he worked in Paris, <laughs> did he not? He did, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, all right, <laughs> good, good point, well presented. Um, but I think the you know the the point is that uh, that I think it's a you mentioned earlier. I'm not sure we, we got it on record that Ernst Haas said he photographed what he loved, and I actually think that's what photographers do. You know, it, it may be there's an agenda there, but you still have to be excited about taking the camera out and taking a picture. And it's so, not going to move anybody unless you're excited yourself. Absolutely. And, and so for, for us, you know, we, if you love nature, then you, you're naturally drawn to, to animals or, and or landscape. Uh, and and for, for somebody like myself, the, it, it's still, in a way, all moderated rather by the fact that when I was a kid, I was incredibly shy. So landscape was great because it didn't it didn't kind of it, it didn't sort of make life awkward for you. Didn't bite. Uh, exactly. Yeah, or didn't say, well, no, <laughs> yeah, don't photograph me, so and so. Um, it could uh, kill you, of course, but that's well, yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially on well, but I, I've been on the edge of a few cliffs before now. Managed to get away with it so far, but um, yeah. So, uh, it, but everybody will have their own their own little kind of motive. What made them a landscape photographer? Um, but I do think that if you if you are able to do other things, it's a good thing. And again, going back to personal experience, I know David will probably share this in some way. Um, when we were young photographers a very long time ago, uh, the, the, there was an awful lot of still life involved. It might have been large still life if it was cars, but um, as part of our practice as assistants. And that's a great background for learning the skills of a landscape photographer because it forces you to study form and space and to deal with yeah. issues of focus and so on. But, it, but it, fundamentally, it's lighting. It's, it's learning how lighting works. Yeah. And in the, sorry. Well, I was going to say Western's an obvious example, starting Absolutely. with the Nautilus shells and the mm. peppers and, yes. and only yeah. doing wider landscapes much later on. Um, and John Blakemore. Well, you're, mm. And Blakemore, yeah. Well, Blakemore, no, Blakemore started with quite bigger things, didn't he? The, 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 well, he, he started uh, the multiple to exposure. But he also started a documentary photographer, photographer yes. didn't yeah. he? I mean, when he was a war photographer, well, uh, when he was, sorry, doing, doing his um, national service. Yes. 
um, and and then went into newspaper. But you know, anyway, it's a. I actually think that all of those varied experiences are healthy for your photographic practice. Yeah. definitely. There, there is there is a thought that if you do continually work within that certain genre, it's it's a bit um, cannibalistic. You end up um, only being influenced by a small set, uh, and it becomes a homogeneity of result. And uh, some external stimulus is quite handy now and again, wherever that comes. Oh, from. I, th- I think it's more than handy. I think yeah. it's essential. Yeah. I mean, you, but you, it can also come from music and poetry and yeah. dance and, and uh, other too. forms of yeah. art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think the real literature as well. Yeah. The real bounds yeah. of landscape. Really, I mean, this is one of the conclusions I came to when we were doing the article about it, was um, that it's only really useful for competitions and magazines. Because outside of that, (laughs) who who really cares? Nobody really defines it. Nobody sets rules for it. And the rules only ever apply in a competition or or what's going to be included in a magazine, what's applicable. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I have met some people on workshops, participants who... Who define themselves as as landscape photographers? But um, but it'd be tough to get them to define the bounds of it. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the UK is also we reason we have so many landscape photographers is more because it's the it's the land, isn't it? Our, our it's a fantastic. It, it is a fantastic place to do landscape photography, and that definitely helps. I mean. It, you know, somebody who's travelled a little bit, as, as well, certainly David has as well. And although there are places that are more spectacular with bigger landscapes and, and more dramatic uh, stuff going on, as a sort of fusion of accessible things to photograph and and um, very varied lighting, it's it, I think it's virtually impossible to beat it. Really. Yeah, well, it's a, and you will you will know as well. We get a lot of. Uh, Dutch and Danish clients coming on workshops because do. yeah. they don't have that variety. I, and um, Norwegians as well, and uh, you know Germans and occasionally French, uh, but yeah. very very few from. Uh, I suppose it, it's almost uh, culturally it's it's quite a strong Northern European tradition. I would say photographing the land, it feels that way. Yeah. And, you know, even if you think of the Australian photographers, who are, are really uh, world renowned. They mostly have a their their first generation um, Latvians or uh, you know Danes or whatever. Yeah. So I think yeah. Well, it's I mean it's landscape as a subject as we've discussed before in painting uh, started with the the Dutch painting tradition after the Netherlands um, gained independence uh, from Spain. So um, you know that was a that's the first time that landscape graduated from just being a background to a biblical story or a, uh, a Greek myth or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it started as a genre yeah. in painting yeah. in Northern Europe. And, and, and I suppose it makes sense that it would carry on in that way here. I mean, what, what's different, I suppose, um, with the European perspective, as opposed to the American perspective is that the, the Americans took it, uh, early on in the 20s and 30s i suppose um to the, to that extra step of it being the landscape without side of man which was easier yeah you know yeah. if you're <laughs> well and and you know the, well gosh we we could go on about this couldn't we but i mean if you look at american uh photography it, it goes back a long long way before ansel adams and paul strand and co 
Um, yeah. You know, Carlton Watkins and Timothy O'Sullivan are the names that spring to mind. But yeah. also, yeah, the Al- railway photographers. Yeah. Yeah. Al- Albert Bierstadt, his, uh, he had two brothers, I think, and they were both photographers, pioneering photographers. And the, this, uh, Albert Bierstadt is a very famous Hudson River School painter. And, yeah. and actually, many of his compositional ideas are founded on the, the experiments that his brothers were doing. Yeah. And so I think they actually worked well, together. So there's a sort of cross-fertilisation. Yeah. And Tim mm. and I did this um, this little podcast about Mybridge. And um, what's really interesting with him was he was doing very kind of off-the-wall, uh, jarring compositions. They weren't all just beautiful, picturesque mm-hmm. shots of Yosemite. They, they yeah. were kind of, uh, yeah slightly unsettling in in many cases so he was somewhere between the sort of full-on pictorialist and the uh, maybe you could describe it as the naivety of the railway photographers he was somewhere in in the middle there he was experimenting yeah. with it yeah it's not it's not a it's a spectrum it's not homogenous and, and i think there's a um there's a tendency to think of um that american tradition really post the group f64 yeah and like you say, it, it predates it well, a long way. And that, yeah. and that reminds yeah. me, Carlton Watkins, I'm currently reading a book about, and I've got a couple of large mammoth photograph books arriving, so we need to do a discussion of Carlton Watkins at some point. Oh, right. Okay. Excellent. Would you Excellent. be interested, Joe? Uh, yeah, I certainly would. Absolutely. Yeah. And have we gone off piste? We have gone off piste. Should I try and return <laughs> us back to a thread? Okay. <laughs> This, this is, there's no point sounding surprised. We wanted to keep it to a half an hour, not on the first question, though. Okay, second second <laughs> subject. Um, yeah, I, I was interested in this one because this this next question was to do with uh, how you go about photographing iconic locations if you're a photographer, such as yourselves, who's seen them before, photographed them many times, and they are now, well, I won't say over-photographed, I'm not sure that could be said no i'll say over photographed but you obviously take clients to these locations and often work in them yourselves how do you how do you approach them joe oh well it's difficult to uh go first but uh i think that the answer is that for me the places that that i tend to take my groups to and it's usually in the uk with david as well um are places that i i love and so I can always find things to, to do there. I think if you if you include the, the tricky thing is if you include the, the sort of signature elements of the scene, that is to say the recognisable features, the mountains, the rivers, the trees, or whatever it may be, um, you've got to find a way of, of doing something different with it. And of course, if you've been many times, there's no point repeating what you've done before. You've either got to do it better or you've got to do it really differently. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the fun in that? Well, I, did so, a, I think of the example uh, of your photograph of Butletty Moor from two years ago with the snow. Yeah, Which yeah, I, exactly. And I, I still, I still, I mean, they're still beautiful to me. Those yeah. those locations. So, um, in a way, the good thing about going to them, uh, if you photographed them before and you, you're leading a workshop, is you, you're looking after people first and foremost, anyway. So, um, you, you you don't feel the pressure to make a photograph for yourself. But if conditions are incredible and everybody is happy and sorted then yeah you know, it's nice to do the picture but uh, you know i i'm very conscious here that you know it, for, for david and i that i don't know that if we if we think about having agendas and i i never worried too much about it but it's always exciting to find something completely different so you know the rear view mirror is a very useful tool in photography and we should all get used to turning around uh, because it's it's actually for me it's the lighting the lighting is usually what dictates what i'll photograph 
I won't I won't deliberately not photograph the well-known location because I I still find those things beautiful but I know there are, you know photographers like David probably would feel it was I won't I shouldn't say you'll feel it's beneath you but um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that, that for you, the, the challenge of doing something completely different is so strong, you, you, would, you would avoid the temptation to, to photograph the recognisable. Am I, am I wrong? Um, it's not cut and dried, is it? It's not, it's not either or. Uh, mm. When we were um, in Glencoe in Feb, I, I made a few pictures of the buckle um, okay. uh, from slightly different locations than, yeah. than most people normally did, but they, it was a river. And, and the buckle in the background. Um, uh, so I, I did, I have, I, I will shoot uh, that. I would try and make it slightly different, but my instinct is always not to shoot the, the, um, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> the a, icon, is that as a challenge? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you treat that as a sort of uh, artistic challenge? Or just a um, putting. It- I think it's just a habit. Yeah. I think. Um, so, um, I mean, it doesn't. It, it frequently means that I go somewhere and there's something amazing going on with the the iconic thing, and I just don't photograph it, and I look for something else, and I quite often don't find anything else. Mm. Um, but that's because um, it's not because I'm being any more curmudgeonly than normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's that um, I'm not generally looking to make a photograph um, of a view. I'm generally looking to make a photograph that um, uh, is about space and light and form and ambiguity and all of those things. So um, yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a kind of sod you I'm not going to do you thing it's a it's a yeah that's very nice but I'd rather find something slightly yeah. different but it doesn't mean I don't ever yeah I do sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. and I think um, I think the thing with most iconic locations is they are iconic because there's so many ingredients um coinciding in one place that are that are interesting or beautiful oh yeah there's a reason there's a reason for honey pots yeah. there's definitely well, a reason for well, it, they, yeah. but there's normally <laughs> those ingredients can be taken individually as well and looked at so, yeah, well, uh, and and people uh, the the problem arises when people become too prescriptive, isn't sure. it? So uh, I mean, Joe, I think you were you went to Marine Bells, didn't you, a couple of years ago on a on a trip, and they're all lined up on the shore, and then you said, but you walked a little bit further along, there's another li- little bit of lake, and it's an equally nice view, and there was nobody there, and you can yeah, look yeah. literally 180 degrees in the other direction, and it's an amazing view, as well. Yeah. Um, so yes, all of all of those things are true. Uh, in one one way, I, I just sort of wanted to mention it, that's that's interesting to me is that when in the early, I suppose, uh, well, it's probably late Romantic period when there was a serious amount of um, you know the prosperous folk of of England going round um, uh, looking at prospects and and sometimes painting them with watercolors. You know, in the lake, the Claude glass and all that. Yes, stuff. exactly. There were yeah. stations that you were to stand and do this. So, there's, in a way, there's a kind of tradition of, uh, let's say, the herd mentality, yeah. you know, which is something uh, I, I guess that probably you know, anybody who who uh, reads on landscape probably wants to avoid, you know, because we have a very creative readership, and uh, you know, and but at the same time, 
we we're still inspired by nature um and i do i think it's fair that every generation who comes across say an iconic location they may not have seen it uh, they need to see it for themselves and find their own way of interpreting it. so there's, there's I don't a think very there's a very intimate link between photography and tourism uh you know it's a, i think within three or four months i think it was of um Daguerre, um you know presenting his uh his invention in paris there were people taking daguerreotypes of the acropolis Mm. And then it became somewhere that people took their camera to, yeah, yeah. because people saw the daguerreotype and all oh, right, okay, we'll go. And the same thing for all sorts of other places around the world. So it's, there's always been that strong link, and we see the fruits of that, if you want to call it the fruits of that, now with the likes of, um, uh, you know, the slot canyons in the states, or um, I, what's the what's the uh, it's not a called the firefall, is it? But that that waterfall in Yosemite, in, yes, yeah, in Yosemite, yeah. yeah. It's, um, where no. they, sorry, um, where people, you know, there's too too many people now um, because they they want to they want to have that shot for themselves. Um, uh, so there's there's always been a very strong link, I think, um, and I think the the real point surely is that the photograph should mean something to you now. I suppose I would struggle to make a picture of an iconic place and feel that it was uniquely mine. Um, but that's not true for a lot of photographers. A lot of photographers would be happy to to make whatever image, whatever composition they made, and it's that place, and they were there, and they have the memories that go with it, and mm. it's their photograph. Well, that's that's um, that's part of photography, isn't it? The camera is a way of looking deeper at something. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. In many cases, it often doesn't matter that the end result isn't uh, original. Well, I did, yeah, absolutely. I think you could say a lot of the time the photograph itself isn't that important. The important thing is to oh, have discuss experience. originality, Tim. That's the yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I How long have we got? Yeah, I was fascinated actually. But I mean, going back to the Moybridge one, is is that Carlton Watkins and and um, oh, who was the painter we just mentioned? Uh, Albert Bierstadt. Bierstadt, yes. Bierstadt, yeah. Um, both are at Yosemite at the dawn of the tourist uh, explosion yep. there. And even Moybridge arriving two years later was was inundated with the common views of Yosemite so much that he had to look for alternative takes. And this is 1872. Yeah. Um, it's but, not, yeah that's a fantastic point. Yeah. yeah. And it's nothing, yeah. nothing new. And, and, and by doing that, he looked at alternative ways of seeing it and brought us some quite original photographs which will feature in this issue because we have a i'm doing a little uh, article on moybridge as well with some photographs from books very well inserted, oh, yeah, a bit of promotion you, you got a copy of the um the tape i did indeed the tape book's fantastic it's lovely isn't it yeah, yeah. so yeah. uh well one final question we'll try and keep it within 40 minutes maybe um this this is an interesting one because this is uh, I found out today I'm not sure if it's true or not I'm presuming it is the Canon 5D series is no more. That's um, uh, I think it, uh, most people will agree the 5D and the 5D Mark II were iconic cameras that opened landscape photography to many people. Um, is the DSLR dead? Does it have a place in landscape photography anymore? Discuss, but not for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my. I suppose my answer would be, does it matter? Yeah. Well, that was short. <laughs> Joe? <laughs> uh, well, it's tempted to just say yes. But, I mean, uh, so I think it's, a, it's very simple. Canon, 
of, of all the major manufacturers, they had the biggest investment in the tradition. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I know Nikon too, but they're a much smaller company and, and they've already, they're struggling for various reasons. Um, I think the, the 5D is actually the, it was a print from the 5D that first convinced me that uh, digital photography might have, might have some benefits, um, actually. Uh, and uh, Mark, Mark Bauer came on a workshop with me and, and he showed me a print he'd made with the, with the original 5D and it was, it was really excellent. Um, he also showed me a print of the same subject made with a, uh, a Pentax 6.7, uh, which wasn't as good. What he didn't tell me at the time was it wasn't made with a very good scanner. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was possibly why. But um, no, I, I think that it, I agree with David. I don't think it matters. First, first and foremost, for landscape photography, I, I would argue that actually that when Sony, and Sony basically packed in doing serious DSLR development about seven or eight years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. they put all their eggs into the mirrorless basket and I think they could see what was coming. And essentially, the only reason that's held mirrorless back uh, up till now has been speed. And like everything else in computing, you know, that's almost solved now. Yeah. So um, does does, it so, add, does a DSLR have any advantage for landscape? I, can't, I I personally I can't see any that would make me want to change. To, I don't think the DSLR does have any advantage. Uh, I think it still has just a slight edge for wildlife photography. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but 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 that will I think in the next generation that will be gone. That that distinction. There's so many advantages to having the electronically generated image you know, front and, and center, whether it's within the viewfinder, so to speak, or with a with a good LCD screen. And, and there are some fabulous DSLRs out there, which have great live view, you know, D8, the Nikon D850, all of the contemporary Canon pro cameras are excellent. But uh, I mean, really, they're so they are bulky, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter that much, because let's face it, the lenses are for uh, equally bulky. Yeah. Yeah. For a, for an uh, um, for a full frame mirrorless, but the reality is that there's too many other operational advantages, and especially if you're going to shoot video yeah. or film. D David, you use the A7R four, is that correct? Four, yeah. yeah. How, how do you find the viewfinder in it? Fine, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, I don't. I mean, I use it for for crude sort of composition, but it's it's got plenty of pixels it's not it doesn't have that kind of um bitty view that like the early um, yeah. lumixes and all of those did um uh, i don't have any problem at all with using it and it seems to be 100 percent as well you know that's been a, a bugbear for lots of people with dslrs isn't it that they they don't give you 100 percent view frame edges it seems a bit ridiculous yes. yeah yeah mm. um so um uh, no, I don't have any problems with it at all, and and I, it's a, I suppose it's a little bit like, you know, when I use the five four, I'm using the ground glass screen, but but the picture is actually I know is going to come later, hmm. you know, when I get the piece of film back and I scan it and then I and the post process it, and the same with the Sony. So I look at it, it looks nice. I think I've got the exposure right, fine. Move on. What I actually do later, the the performance is. Um, uh, as Ansel Adams would have it, that's that's where it matters, and that, you just have to be confident that the that the camera will capture what you want 
it to capture and they have fantastic dynamic range so it's the same as mm. the as the high-end nikons as well of course because it's the same sensor basically isn't it so i think so um uh yeah nikons say they have their own sensor but i think it's sony architect Clev- cleverly rebadged i think so yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um so um no i mean i think it's a, a great kit the only the only problem for me ironically is that it's too fast you know so i have to go <laughs> ma- manual focus and a, and a tilt shift because, you know, I have to slow just down to slow you down keep up with it fantastic yeah <laughs> well thank you very yeah. much both of you i think we've kept within 30 minutes uh no we haven't never mind <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go over the hour so that's fine we tried we yeah. tried um <laughs> look forward to speaking to you next time great all right thanks tim. thanks tim thanks Joe. Bye. cheers bye. david bye